Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you are God that reigns. We thank you that you have created us, that you're here with us, that your spirit is present in this place. Father, thank you for the gift of worship and of music, that we can experience your love and your creativity. Would you speak to us now as we open up your word? We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, it's good to be back with you here at the South Street campus. Uh, it uh, has been about a year and a half since my wife Judy and I moved into our house in St. Charles. And I share that to say that we have just finished our first uh, major house project. Uh, we just completely redid our basement. We did a new paint, new carpet, the whole thing. Uh, and to try to save money, we tried to do as much of the work on our own as we could. Uh, and if there is one thing that you all need to know about me, uh, you need to know that these are not workers' hands, these are preachers' hands. Uh, and so if you are ever doing a project, do not call me uh, unless you want me to like pray over it. That's pretty much all I can do, and I'm happy to do that. Uh, but it took us just weeks to do this. It was just a really slow, slow, painful process. In fact, this is how I spent New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, I rang in the New Year scraping glue off the concrete floor that was holding down our old carpet, just inhaling glue dust. My wife fell asleep at like 10 o'clock. We really know how to party in the Scavato house. It was, it was crazy. Well, finally, we, we finished this a couple of weeks ago, and we finished our work, and it's great. It's just this incredible space. We, we actually made it for, uh, for our son to be kind of a playroom for, for him, and, and it just turned out better than we even could have expected. And I remember this moment where we went down there with him for the first time. We took him down there, and we had this moment where we just uh, kind of let him loose, and he started crawling around and, and playing. And I remember having this moment, and, and maybe if you've done a project like this, you, you know this feeling, don't you? This feeling of, oh yeah, that's why we did all this. This feeling of, of satisfaction, this moment of finally being able to just breathe and relax and know that the work is done and the work is being enjoyed by the person that we did the work for. And that moment and that feeling and that experience is what I want to talk to you about today. If you've been tracking with us, we've been in this series for the last month or so that we've been calling the Gospel in Genesis. This exploration of the first three chapters of the first book of the Bible, this foundation of what it means for us to be human, of what it means for us to be created. And we've been doing this, we've been looking at Genesis 1 for this last month, and we've been looking at the significance of God as our Creator at the goodness of his creation. Last week, we looked at this idea that should transform the way that we live, that we are created in the image of God, that we are image bearers, that those around us are image bearers of him. And so today, we turn the page and we look at Genesis chapter 2 as we see the final day of creation, the seventh day, the day where God finished all of the work that he had been doing. The day where God took a moment and looked at his children enjoying what he had made. And he did what is so often uncommon and difficult and countercultural for us today. He 
took a day and he rested. He rested. And so this is our goal today, to ask ourselves, why? What is the reason for rest for God and for us? In an overworked world that often feels anxious and busy and restless, what does it look like? Is it even possible for us to live restful lives? What does it look like to practice rest? And how, as we consider the name of the series that we're in, how is the good news proclaimed when we take time to rest? So, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, we're going to read the first uh, three verses of this chapter. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So today let's start here with the purpose of rest the purpose of rest. Uh, this was uh, a big week for me. My birthday was on Thursday. Uh, I turned 31 years old. Um, and I don't know if this is happening because I'm getting older uh, or because I'm a dad or because I'm a homeowner, but I'm starting to do things that I've never done before. Um, have you guys seen those commercials where people become homeowners and then turn into their parents? That is my exact life. Like, I've never felt so seen in a commercial. I don't like any new music. I think commercials are way too loud. I'm happy when it rains, like, on my plants' behalf. I'm like, oh, they needed that. That's great. <laughs> this is true. A few months ago, um, this was happening. I was staring at my front yard out my window, which I never used to do. Um, and as I was staring, this kid walks by. He was probably 11 or 12, and he was walking his dog. And as they got to our yard, the dog started walking on uh, our grass. He was off the sidewalk on the grass, and then the kid followed him. And so they're both on our grass, and Judy had to stop me from going out and literally yelling at him to get off my lawn. <laughs> like, what is happening to me? It's, it's worrisome. But this, this is the one that gets me, and this is what actually made me think about uh, this idea of rest. The most peaceful thing in my life right now is when I spend the day in the backyard working. And when I finish and I look at what I've done and I can see the lawn lines and they're all crisp, the grass is cut, the edges are trimmed, and I just take a moment and I survey what I've done and I see that it is good. <laughs> so it's something I'm monitoring. I'm a little concerned. We'll see where this leads. But again, notice this in this passage because I think that's kind of what we're seeing here uh, in Genesis chapter 2. Look at just the first two verses again. It says that the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So this is the question that, that many people have asked. And maybe it's a question that you asked as we were reading these words. The question of why? Why would an all-powerful God, the one who brought everything into existence simply by speaking it out loud, why would he take a day off? Was he tired? Had he reached the limit of his divine stamina? 
And if so, take that even further. If he was tired, why would he ever tell us that he was? Why would he reveal that to us? Wouldn't he want to keep this image of a powerful God, someone who never gives up and never grows weary, even after all of this great work that he did? Why did God rest? And why do we see in other places throughout Scripture almost something that says something differently? We see Jesus say this in uh, John chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Psalm 121 declares this, that he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So how do we reconcile this? How do we think about this? What was the purpose of God taking a day to rest? This is, I believe, one of the most important things that we need to see today. That for God, rest was not about recovery. It was about cherishing enjoying, delighting in the things that he had made. God rested, that word there literally meaning to stop or to cease, not because he needed a nap, but rather because the basement was done and the backyard looked perfect, and he just wanted to survey what he had made. He looked at his work, and he saw that it was good. Rest, according to Scripture, is so much more than simply dealing with fatigue. Rest is the act of enjoying what God has already done. And this is so important that we see this. This matters, doesn't it? That we have a God that does not grow weary. It matters, doesn't it, that Jesus said what he did, that God is still working, that he does not slumber, that he does not sleep. It matters that God did not just create the world and set it off and hope for the best. It matters to those of us who feel like God has forgotten us, who feel overwhelmed, who feel like God is mad at us or leaving us on our own. It matters to those of us who look at the world and look at our lives and feel like it's just too much. That God is still active and still working and still creating good things for you and for me. God has not abandoned us, not left us on our own. He is not asleep at the wheel. He did not need to rest, and yet he chose to, to delight in what he had made. See, this is why God rested. So why then do we rest? What is the purpose of rest in your life and in mine? There are two things that I just want to offer for you today. Here's the first. Rest protects us from finding our identity in our productivity. It protects us from finding our identity in our productivity. Rest, in other words, is a statement of faith that I am not defined by the work that I do. I'm not defined by a paycheck. I am not defined by what I can contribute to the world. That even when I rest, even when I cease, even when I do absolutely nothing, God still loves me, and that is enough. 
uh, Rich Velotis, who's a pastor in New York City, puts it this way. He's talking about the Sabbath, this day of rest, and he says that Sabbath is not just rest from making things, it's rest from the need to make something of ourselves. It is in rest that God invites us to stop being productive and simply be present. I don't know about you, but uh, it's hard for me to think of many things that are more counter to our culture than this. What an un-American dream this is. And yet these are the waters that we swim in where we meet someone, and what's one of the first questions you ask when you meet somebody? What do you do? And then they ask how you're doing, and what do you say? Good, but busy. It's been a busy season of life. I've been in a busy season of life for about 10 years. I'm starting to think it's not going to end. We take pride in this, though, don't we? There's something about being busy that makes us feel successful or accomplished or like we're doing something worthwhile. I love how uh, John Mark Comer puts it. He says that the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments we brag about breaking. It's so easy, isn't it, to find your worth in your work. Whatever that work looks like for you, whether it's a nine-to-five job or going to school or raising a family or a volunteer cause or whatever fills your days. Those of you that are retired, maybe you felt this in a way when you left a full-time job and you maybe had to rediscover who you were separate from career. This is what times of rest can offer us. A reminder that our productivity is not what defines us. That we are made in the image of God. His love does not depend on what we can produce for him. Rest protects us from finding identity in productivity. Here's the second thing. Rest reminds us of our reliance on God. I tried to work in as many R words as I could. Rest reminds us of our reliance on God. This is what God declares in Exodus chapter 14. He says that the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In Psalm chapter 4, we see this as well. In peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. See, this is what times of rest remind us of, that it is only God's strength and God's power and God's protection that keeps me going. I love this quote. This is, again, from uh, John Mark Comer in his book, Garden City. He says this, that Sabbath is an expression of faith. Faith that there is a creator, and he's good. We are his creation. This is his world. We live under his roof, drink his water, eat his food, breathe his oxygen. So on the Sabbath, we don't just take a day off from work. We take a day off from toil. We give him all our fear and anxiety and stress and worry. We remember our place in the universe so that we never forget there is a God and I'm not him. Rest reminds us that everything we have, your possessions, your talents, even your time, all of it belongs to God. Do you know how long a person can go without sleep? According to the internet, it's 11 days. I can't even make it to 11 at night, but someone went 11 days. You can survive on your own power and your own strength as much as anything is actually yours for 11 days. God has been doing it since the beginning. 
And this is what resting does. It reminds us that the world does not depend on me to keep on spinning. This, I believe, is why God made us with this need to sleep, this daily rhythm where we are required to rest. Because it is in rest that we are reminded just how fragile and vulnerable our lives truly are, that it is not our strength, but it is His that keeps me going. Rest points us to dependence, to humility. Because every breath and every step and everything comes from the one who has made you. This is the purpose of rest. Let's talk next about the practice of rest. The practice of rest. Uh, It's hard to believe this. uh, This March uh, will be four years that I've been part of the staff here at Chapel Street. I love uh, being on staff here and getting to serve and to preach. And, And this is actually the first time that I have preached a text that I've already done before which felt like a big moment for me. I know you all probably don't care, but I'm just sharing it anyways. Uh, but, but the big thing that has changed in my life since the last time I preached this uh, it was that I became a parent. And let me tell you something. There's something about preaching on rest with a one-year-old that really speaks to you. And let me just say that I have seen things in this text that is different. The Word of God is living and active. Praise the Lord. But what I want you to do, I want you to imagine me studying and preparing and writing this message. Um, And then at the same time, picture my son, Luca, who is currently going through a phase where we will put him down to sleep, and then he will wake up a half hour later, and he will pull himself up, and he will cry and scream and refuse to go to sleep. In fact, I brought a picture with me. Go ahead and put that up. Um, This is him not screaming. I'm not sure how I managed to take this picture because it was the only time he wasn't. Um, But imagine me doing this. And so it's just been this kind of weird week. Uh, It's been a a difficult one, but but we've gotten through it okay. But imagine me kind of preparing this message of rest with this in my life. And it's just been this clear picture to me of what is true for so many of us. That rest is not something that we do naturally, is it? It's difficult. It's challenging. It's something that oftentimes we even find ourselves fighting. So, Lord, I got the lesson. Please help him sleep tonight. But this is what I want to try to show you today, of just how often we see in Scripture God inviting us, not just as a command to obey or a law to follow, but how often God invites us to rest in his presence. Look again at uh, Genesis 2 and verse 2. This is the first time we see this idea of rest. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Now, notice this. This is something that I had never picked up on before, and maybe you've seen it, but be patient with me. For God, this was the seventh day. For people, it was their very first God created people on the sixth day. This is their very first full day of existence. And what does God invite them to? To rest. I remember one time I started a job. It wasn't this job. Uh, But I went to the the first day of my new job, and my boss didn't want me to do any of, like, the usual HR paperwork because he wanted it to be a fun day. And so he took me out to lunch, and he showed me around town because we had just moved there, and we just kind of hung out. And I was like, this is going to be the best job ever. This is awesome. And then I didn't get paid on time because my paperwork wasn't done, and he never took me out to lunch again. So now I work here. (laughs) 
But this is God's orientation. It's his first day that he's inviting his people into. Imagine showing up to a job or going to your first day of school and having nothing to do, no work at all. This is what God brings us into. It's what he invites us into. He says, welcome, let's take a day off and let's just spend time together. He invites us to rest in his presence. We see this over and over throughout the scriptures, even when it is a command. Look with me to uh, Exodus chapter 20. This is God instituting the law, and it says this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So often we miss this because we think the law is just a way for God to keep people in line and punish people who do something wrong. Do you know why God gave people the law? Because he loved them. Because he knew what was best for them. Because he was reaching out and inviting his people into a way of living. He's saying, if you want to find me, this is what you do. And one of the first ten things that God invited his people into, one of them was this. To take a day to rest with me. We turn to the New Testament. We look to Jesus, who we're told uh, in Luke chapter 5 would often withdraw to rest and pray and sit in his Father's presence. And do you remember what Jesus offered to his people? Look with me to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. This will be familiar to many of us. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, let me give rest to your souls. Let's pause here. I know many of you have heard that verse before. It's easy to walk right past it, isn't it? But pause here, because the truth is, for many of us today, don't we know exactly what that's like? How many of us today have come in here weary, burdened, carrying something that feels as if it's getting heavier and heavier every single day? How many of us know that feeling? How many of us know the feeling, which sometimes is even harder, of knowing someone and loving someone and caring about someone who's struggling? How many of us have a child or a grandchild or a friend or a neighbor dealing with burdens that seem too heavy to carry? Maybe today we just need to pause and remember the invitation that Jesus gives to you and to me and to those we care about so much. Come to me. Just come sit down. Just take a breath. 
Let me offer you something different and better and light. Let me put my yoke upon you, this invitation into a life where I am the one leading and guiding, and it is my strength and not yours. Let me give rest to your soul. There are so many things that the world offers in terms of entertainment and recreation and self-care, and a lot of those things can be good. But there is nothing that the world can offer to give rest to your soul. It is only the presence of God that can do that. This is what we see declared all throughout Scripture, that God invites us and longs for us to receive this invitation that our souls would rest in His presence. And this is how we must think about things like Sabbath, not as a legal obligation, not as something we must do in order to make things right with Him, not even something that has to happen on a certain day. Sabbath was never meant to be a burden, never meant to be a formula. It's not about rules and what you should or should not do. Sabbath is God, knowing, just like any parent knows what's best for his children saying, you need to rest. This is how you were created, even when you fight it, even when it doesn't come naturally, even when you'd rather stand and cry and scream. Rest was always meant to be a gift. It's an opportunity to spend quality time with our Heavenly Father, to do what you would do in any other relationship, to ask Him questions, to listen for His voice, to read the words that He wrote to go out and explore his creation when it's warmer than zero degrees, to enjoy the things that he's made, to eat good food and listen to music and enjoy time with each other, to slow down, to sleep, to detach ourselves from technology and the news and the anxiety that those things bring, to remember and reflect and journal about who he is, and what he has done. It's good to do this on a weekly basis. If you don't, I would encourage you to. It's one of the reasons that we worship together every week. It's part of what Sabbath should be, but it's not all that it is. It's so much more, and it's so much better. It is not an an invitation that is given to us on a weekly basis, but in every day and in every moment of our lives that we would rely on and trust in Rest is a gift from a God who loves us and knows what is best for us. Okay, last thing we want to see today, the promise of rest. The promise of rest. Look at verse 3 again with me. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So here we see God do two things. He blesses this day, and he makes it holy. He blessed the seventh day. If you've been tracking with us in this series, maybe you'll remember that this is not the first thing that God has blessed. Do you remember the other two things that he's blessed so far? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. We see this uh, in verse 22 and again in verse 28. God blessing the animals and blessing us, blessing people, mankind. And in both of those blessings, he says the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply. 
In other words, this blessing is to go and create more life. And this is the same blessing given to this day. That rest is one of the most life-giving things that we can do. And this is what's so interesting about this, that those who research this idea, no matter what they believe about God, agree. Studies have been done that show that taking regular and consistent days of rest can improve your mental health, decrease addiction to technology, and can even lengthen your life. There was one study that I saw that was done recently that introduced people to practicing the Sabbath for six months. For six months, they practiced the Sabbath every week, and this is what they found. That Sabbath-keeping enhanced self-awareness, improved self-care, enriched relationships, developed spirituality, positively affected the rest of a Sabbath-keeper's week, and Sabbath-keeping practices and philosophies also evolved over time. In other words, the blessing of the seventh day, the blessing of this taking time to rest is something that continues for us today. God blessed the seventh day. And then he did something that he had never done before. He made it holy. The first time that word is used in all of Scripture, God does something when we take a day of rest that he does not do anywhere else. It is set apart. There's something sacred about resting in God's presence. Something sacred about quieting our minds to listen to his voice. Something different when we take time to reflect, to celebrate, to look ahead. Rest allows us to cry and to hurt, to breathe, to be thankful. And God is offering you today, if your life is moving too fast, and if your mind feels overwhelmed, and if the future seems too scary or your past too much, he is offering you the gift of rest today. He has set it apart, set it aside for this exact thing. This is the last thing I want you to notice today. Go back to verse 1 and notice this, that rest comes when the work is finished. Did you see that? How often it's emphasized that the work was done, that God had completed, that God had finished what he had started. In the same way that I couldn't quite enjoy my basement until it was done, it is only when God finishes his work that he experiences this rest. This is why this matters. This is why there is reason for hope for us today. Because for us to experience true rest for our souls, a work had to be done. Something had to be accomplished. Something had to happen that we could not do on our own. Do you remember what Jesus said when he did that work? It is finished. He did the work. He poured his life out with you and me in mind. And this is where we see the gospel in Genesis, that we can experience total and complete rest. Why? Because the work is done. There's nothing else that needs to happen for us to have relationship with him. This is what the author of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says that there remains a Sabbath rest 
for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Friends, this is our hope today, the promise that we have been given, that if today you put your faith in Jesus, you can rest knowing that the work has been done. There's no earning. There's nothing else you must do. There's no task list to accomplish. This is the easy yoke that Jesus invites us to. That unlike the first six days of creation, this one never ends. Do you notice that? That unlike in these first six days, there's no formula of there was evening and there was morning. Why? Because this day was always meant to continue. We have been invited into the presence of God. This is what we'll remember today as we prepare to come to the communion table. That the work is finished. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he did on our behalf. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we come to you grateful for the work that you have done in the world, in the past, and in our lives today. Father, help us now to remember that work, to give any anxieties or stresses to you. Lord, help us to remember how much we need your strength, how dependent we are on you each and every day. Help us to live restful lives, not just once a week, but every day, because of the presence that you have given us. Thank you for this hope, and thank you for this promise. We pray this in your name. Amen. We conclude our time of worship together by coming to the Lord's table. It's time to remember and celebrate what Joe was talking about, to remember and celebrate the finished work that Jesus, our Lord, purchased for us on the cross. Our salvation is finished, nothing left to do except to rest in the work that he has already done. When we pass out the trays in a moment, you'll notice there are two cups stacked together in each slot. Take both cups. The top one has the juice, the bottom cup has the bread. Just hold them until everybody has received, and I will lead us through the remembrance of the Lord's table. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, once again, we just thank you for our time of worship together, for the truths of your word, for this great invitation that we have to enter into your seventh day rest, that is, relationship with you, and that you have purchased our rest through your sacrifice, and we remember that today through bread and cup. Meet us again here by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Scripture tells us that on the same night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, broke it, and blessed it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of him. After the bread, he also poured a cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant and my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sin. The Apostle Paul reminds us that as followers of Jesus, each time we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Do this in remembrance of him. 
Receive now today's benediction. We go now in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who through his own death and resurrection promises us each by faith the promised rest of God. Amen. Have a great day.